Michael Yo's got his own show. Michael Yo's got his own show. If you're looking for a place to go, the only place to go is the Yo Show. The only place to go is the Yo Show. What's up, man? How are you? Does not care. He does not. That's Brian. <laughs> Brian, if you listen to Joe Rogan podcast, Brian's like my Jamie. That really? Joe, oh, yeah. Yeah. I jo- love her. No, no. It's a guy. Oh. On Joe Rogan. You never listen to Joe Rogan podcast? Not really. I don't, I don't really. Uh, do you listen to podcasts or just your own? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you go home and listen to him? And I don't listen to my own podcast, but I do listen. I listen to Joe Rogan when he has on comedians like Tom Segura. And, you know, it's, it's kind of inspiring, you I, know? I, uh. I don't. Uh, I, I sometimes I'll listen to him if I'm driving, like to L.A. or something. But oh, okay. That, I don't. I don't even listen to music anymore. Though. What do you do in your car then? When I'm driving? Yeah. I usually, believe it or not, I usually listen to like podcasts, but not like comedy podcasts, like real podcasts. Like, oh, what, what? Excuse me. I mean, me? Not, you what, know, about what? real people being honest. But, okay. And being funny people. Like, you know, like not comedians. I, you know what? I think you're lying, Mark. I think no. you don't even listen to podcast. Name the podcast you listen to. I don't. Uh, I I have it on my. Phone. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, podcast. I about. Uh, computer programming usually oh really yeah are you into that no i just i like to sleep while i drive are you are you (laughs) did you ever get into those crime shows and crime podcasts yeah you know i i I was driving once and i got into i was listening to this podcast and i thought it was great and i listened to it again a couple times and then i realized it was a friend of mine that i hadn't seen in like 10 years karen kilgariff have you ever heard that no uh she does it about uh, real murders isn't it a top podcast i believe isn't that crazy people are fascinated with murders and they're funny too so yeah it's, what do you mean they're funny how, well not how murders are, they are funny, funny <laughs> but the, the podcast is, is, is they know they have insight and wit but it's they describe what happens and i watch that on tv too i, mo- I mostly watch reality stuff yeah i mean not reality stuff like crime stuff and stuff like that 60 days in i think that's where i first saw you actually oh in the crime <laughs> yeah yeah let me tell you do you know what 60 days in is? no what is that it's amazing what these people do. They they go into like normal people like you and I, or, or more like you probably. Yeah. Uh, normal people, and they go. They check themselves under into a, a jail for sixty or ninety days. For and, what? And nobody else knows, and no one can save them. I have no idea why they do it. Just is that a real thing, or is that just a, for a show? It, so you're you saying know, any normal person, on somebody this, that has an interest in it, obviously for some reason, can check them themselves in this, in, within this TV show anyway. Really? It's in the context of a TV show, yeah, it's called like it's on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. That's wild, man. I always uh, after I watch uh, Blazion, I usually that's put right. On, I put on that on Amazon. When yeah, I, Amazon Prime Blazion. Watch How's it over f- and over. You still haven't left a review, and I'm very upset about that, Mark. <laughs> uh, I, I got to tell you who's on the podcast. If you're just tuning in, what I love about this guy is we probably only met like a month and a half ago when when this club opened up again. Reopened, at, yeah. Reopened after the pandemic at Rio. Uh, we're at the Comedy Cellar Las Vegas. What I love about you, you have the same energy every night. You're always fun. You get the audience going. And your stories are crazy because you've been with the Comedy Cellar how long? Well, I've been wor- from New York. Yeah. Jesus, uh, probably 80, not 80, uh, yeah, 87 maybe. 87. Or seven. I mean, it was one of the last, I got into little clubs first, and then you worked up, and then I got into the improv improvisation in new york on 44th street and then i was able to get into the so you you've kind of seen everything i guess so i was at the comedy boom when it when you know is that what they called it the comedy well okay when was that comedy boom and who was in that boom because this is one reason why i wanted to do this podcast is 
I never had the experience of hanging out with comedians because I started comedy really late in my life. But the green room now, I'm meeting a bunch of comedians and I'm officially hanging with comedians for the first time. So I, I wanted to start this podcast to bring, to kind of find out what I've been missing about the history of the cellar and just comedy in general. Well, the comedy boom, you didn't hang out with comedians really because, but the comedy boom was that every pizza shop, every bar had a comedy show. In New York? In, no, in, well, it was based in New York, but you know, New York, there's the tri-state area, so there was Jersey and Connecticut and Long Island. So you would drive an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, and, and do the gig with two other comics. So you were hanging out with comics a little bit. And, and what was the, uh, like, what years are we talking to, talking about right you know, here? I would think I started probably like 84, 85 doing the road, and I made more money the first year doing, because I had a car and a guitar, and so I'd go out every night, you know, you drive, you made a hundred bucks a night or 75 bucks or whatever it was, but you did it every night, you know? And yeah. then I would come to the city and do six or seven sets a night. Back, I mean, the, the shows would go, I would, I had just started, so the improv was the first place I worked that was a good club. I would get a spot at 2.30 a.m. Wow. So I would be home sleeping, I'd set my alarm for one o'clock and then I'd go over to the improv and there'd be a line out the door till 4 a.m. of people trying to get in. When did you know that uh, you, comedy was your thing? Was there, did you try it once and then you were hooked or did people always tell you you were funny? I, uh, I did it in high school at a, um, at a talent show and I wrote like a fake newscast, you know, but it was original material. There's a, a manager named Barry Katz. I don't know if you know Barry I Katz. I mean, he's legendary in the industry. Isn't he Amen. responsible? Yeah, isn't he responsible for like a bunch of big comedians? Yeah, right he now? had everybody in New York at, at, at one point. And uh, I went to high school with him. And he told me later, I didn't remember, that he was in the competition with me and that I did original material and he did Bob Newhart's material. What, was, was a lot of people copying? Is that he just copied Bob Newhart's set or we what? In high school. I mean, he, oh, he you were in a, high school. In the context okay. of a talent you. show, you know. Got you. Okay. Next Got one. you. Hey, and baby. and hey, baby. so you're talking about 85, 86. I, that yeah. was the comedy boom. Let, let's say that was a boom. Who I was big was at that time? Bob, people that you probably wouldn't. I don't you know, know a lot of people. And because that's they were great. I mean, they were on the Tonight Show and stuff like that. But I'm actually in the in the middle. You know, the, my school, my my grade or whatever. What do you call when people are? Or in your class, my class. Your class, comedians. yes. It was like Attell, Dave Attell, Kevin Brennan, Louis C.K., me, uh, John Stewart. Uh, I don't know, know what happened to those other guys, like but I if, did, I did out of right. those Out of those guys, if you could take your back, yourself back to 85, 86, who do you think out of that group you just named was going to bust and be huge? I would have thought Attell. Attell. Well, yeah, and he did, obviously. I mean, Attell's uh, doing yeah, great. Yeah. But uh, he was just a funny guy. He just constantly coming up with always new and fresh and and people started to copy him in a lot of ways you know or people said oh you're copying a tell or you're doing a tell not to me but you know what i mean yeah you see young comedians and you, you, it is cool that i've been it so long that i see people like sarah silverman now there's people that do sarah that you can see they've inspired them you know mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting and who were the comics you hung out with because you you have some Phenomenal pictures you've shown me. Man, we, I used to have a- Who was your crew? It was those guys, Attell and Brennan and, uh, and uh, uh, Bill Grunfest who owned the Comedy Cellar, or uh, op who opened the Comedy Cellar anyway at the, uh, in New York. 
And was, was his idea. And was Sarah part of the, your crew yeah, as well? Sarah, Sarah. She was going out with Attell at the time, I think. And uh-huh. Kevin Brennan and was there. And I mean, every I would take pictures of of every comedian that came through. I know and I you have, have phenomenal. It's Got phenomenal. Lost. You lost I it. Lost. You, I mean, everybody had been in that apartment. Music. Uh, who, who's the guy? Mr. Jones. Remember that? Oh, one? oh yeah. The, the County Crows were in my house. I mean, people would come by because they knew somebody. Was it? Know. Was it uh, around the Comedy Cellar? Is that? It was, it was close. It or was close enough. It was know. close enough. Ray Romano was in in my class as well. You know. Wow. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, there's some great comedians. Who surprises sure. you that they were huge? Because we, we see people coming up, and then you're like, wow, they got huge. And you might, when you were in the moment, not think they were going to be that huge. Well, I want, my first instinct was Jon Stewart. Yeah. But he was so new at the time. So I, but there was something, he, had a, you know, he was a handsome guy. And yeah. He was charming. Uh, he, but he, he would, we would only do five or six minutes then, and he would die for like five minutes and then he had one joke and it would kill and that was him but you could see glimpses of he wasn't political or anything he was just but he was how was how was uh the seller back then it was amazing i mean it's a different world you know when i come here now and people that come through the cellar are so have so much reverence and and they're getting nervous and about working here and it's a goal to be here when i was there it was a goal because it was a great club but Sometimes we'd go in on a Monday night and there would be nobody in the audience. So we'd have to, we'd, and the owner would make us get up and do a show for nobody. He'd make the waitresses sit there. So if somebody came in, they could see, you know, that, some, that there was a show going it's on. It's interesting that even at the uh, comedy store, you know, they, I, I hear stories. I wasn't there at the time, but the club was dead. Like nobody would go to the comedy store. And then all of a sudden about, Eight years ago, nine years ago, I, I don't know if it's a boom, but it was a comedy resurgence again where all these clubs, these legendary clubs are getting packed. I know the seller's been going probably about 15 years on that. It on sounds that wave. incongruous what I'm saying, though, because at one time I'm saying it's the comedy boom, and then at the other hand I'm saying it was empty. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it, it wasn't empty, obviously, but it would be at 9 o'clock at night. And it would, when I was there, there would be one MC from 9, in, nine at night till 2 in the morning. And now I think in that time frame, they have two shows or three shows. Yeah. And it's amazing when I was just, you know, I wasn't part of the uh, Comedy Cellar family, but I remember last time I went to New York, uh, they let me in the club. I believe I met Liz that night Uh and she kind of walked me around. She showed me around, uh, which was really nice. But Bill Burr, what I loved about it is literally comics walk a block and they're doing set, 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 set. Yeah. They're getting four or five sets. I had the in, set. In the night. I had the record for many years. It was nine, but I think it's been broken since then. Right? Nine Tell sets. And Ray wow. broke it, I think. And at the same, uh, you mentioned Bill Burr. Bill Burr was around and Jim Gaffigan, but they were, you know, I was late night and they were later night at that point. You know what I mean? And Bill Burr, how was he when he first started? You know, he was a nice guy. He was, you know, uh, I don't remember that much except him hanging out and being enthusiastic about comedy. But he wasn't, uh, he didn't He didn't tap into his anger, I don't think, at that point. Was, was Jim Gaffigan the same as he is now? Like, was his comedy always kind of PC and kind of like? Yes. It was. Yeah, I would think so. I, it's, it got heightened as, as time went on. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, I mean, it, it was, uh, you know who else? Uh, Judah Friedlander. I mean, I'm just thinking of people that. Do you know Judah? Yeah, yeah, uh, people absolutely. People that are that were just late, late night, you know, and uh, you know, they obviously did really well. And 
and sometimes you know I'm I always want I never really I wish I did I never wanted to be anything but a club comic kind of and I was able to do it pretty easily whereas these guys like Gaffigan and Bill Burr they were you know were writing and working at it and, and obviously they did really well you know it did, when did you become the host of the I Comedy to, Cellar well I used to host there all the time and back in the day um the host in New York City in, in the 80s and 90s was the best guy on the show. It's not, I don't know if it's that way anymore. Maybe the seller still is. So when I moved to LA, I called up the improv and I was like, hey, you know, I'll MC. And they go, oh yeah. And I started MC and then somebody comes up and he goes, don't, don't MC. Yeah, in LA, you don't not? want to MC. Yeah, yeah. Because no, that's all you'll be. You'll be, you know, they'll nail you as the MC. And I was like, well, that's where I developed my act. You know, that's where you get new material and stuff, you know. But I did it a couple of times, but then I just stopped doing it. And in uh when did when did uh like when did the cellar explode? Because you said was it always hot yeah, then that's or was what it I'm trying to say I I I'm trying to get my timing right because yeah. uh I guess I had been working as a comedian, you know, for a year or two before I got into the cellar. So the boom might have kind of faded out a little bit that it got over too many. There was way too many clubs. I mean, everywhere you went there was not clubs, but you would do it in a pizza joint, you would do it in an Italian restaurant, you know. Uh, it, it it just, but I, it was great though. I mean, I drive in my car and we'd do gigs and, you know, we wouldn't stay overnight necessarily. What's the craziest moment that happened to you on stage or going to a gig? The first gig, <laughs> uh, I used to do an impression of David Crosby from Crosby, Stills and Nash Young when he was having all his troubles and I would carry around a sugar substitute, equal. And then my act, and I go, a quick impersonation, David Crosby, and I'd throw it on my face. And the first gig I ever went, I took my friend, I don't want to say his name now, because he's a pretty big-time actor, uh, and he took the ride with me, and we had to drive like six, mile, six hours up to a college. And we had a little, you know, it was in the, the 70s or 80s, and we had the, I had, so I had, we had some drugs with us. Okay. In the car, yeah. let's put it that way. Yeah. And we had just smoked a joint, and this was when you could get in a lot of trouble. And uh, we got pulled over, and the cop, arrested me and he found the, the cut that I used in my act for, for the <laughs> David Crosby impression. And I'm like, no, it's, I'm using it for my act and I throw it on my face. And he goes, well, we're gonna have to arrest you. And they, they, they took it in and they tested it and they found out it obviously wasn't, it wasn't coke. It was so they didn't, they didn't take the friend in? They didn't take my friend in. And it was- How only, did that happen? Well, because I probably took, took you know, I you was took driving and I said it was mine. And not only that, it was such a small, place in upstate New York that it was the cop that arrested me I got in his car and he he had to open up he was the only cop I mean it was a, such a small place he opened up the, the the station and brought me in and he I don't remember if I was handcuffed but when I got into the station he handcuffed me to the wall and, I, and that was the only time he got mad at me because he knew I was a comedian and, I, and I, my friend he wouldn't let my friend in the building but I'm like, Jerry, I, oh, shit, I said his name, <laughs> Jerry, uh, I said, Jerry, they're, they're beating me up in here or something. And he's, oh, you can't do that. And that was the only thing. But they, it was my way to my first gig at a college. And they, they I said, I'm going to, if I lose this gig, I'm, I'm screwed. I mean, and he, they let me go if I promised to come back the next day. And, and you came and back. I did, yeah. That's amazing. And now, now, uh, you know, we're at the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas. How long have you been in the family then? With the count, twenty six years then, twenty seven years. Who is 
Is that what it was? 80, 80s? 80s, yeah. 86, well, well, 80, yeah. 96, 96. Yeah, no, over 30. Yeah. Over 30 Isn't that years. Over 30 years? Yeah. I think I, I'm dumb, so I don't know. Like, that 30 would be 2017. Yeah, so it's 33 30. or 40. Is, is that true? Yeah. And I was a late starter, obviously, too. I mean, how, what, what age did you start comedy? And what made you want to start it? I moved to New York to be an actor. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for two years. And then I said, well, I missed going to college. I, if I'm going to be an actor, I have to experience things. I think I said the same thing when I screwed a hooker, too. I said, <laughs> I got to experience this. But uh, Well, Vegas is the perfect place, <laughs> No, Mark. this wasn't Vegas. This was uh, uh, in New, York, in New, New York, York City. In they New had York hookers City. in New York City, too, huh, at that time? Okay. This was, I mean, I was like 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. You know? But I was like, I have to experience everything. So I went to UMass for a year and did some theater up there. And then I came back and moved to New York to be an actor. And I worked at Wolf's Deli on 57th and 6th and waited on every celebrity you could imagine. And, uh, and then my girlfriend at the time said, you should do stand-up. And I got up and I did stand-up. Was she I, a stand-up that no, told you that? No. no. And it was, I was able to quit my waiter job within a week because of the boom. They just needed comics, and if you had a good, if you had a uh, a car, you were all set. You know? Now explain that to people because when you first said that to me, I had well, no having idea. a car. Yeah, yeah. Because not you know, not too many people had a car in New York City, uh, and especially the you know I don't know how I had a car. I think my father had an extra car and he gave it to me, so I would have a car. And if you were able to drive the other comedians to the gig. You, it was easier to get a gig. Do we know any headliners? Like, what headliners will we know that you drove? Jeez, I, don't, I couldn't even, I don't even remember. I mean, actually, I, I headlined most of the time. Oh, you did? Okay. Because, and I didn't want to, but I had the guitar and I had energy. And so I would, and so I would drive, but I was probably, head, but I might not have. I, I might yeah. have middled or, or, it didn't matter to me. I was, you know, you're just making money. What do you What do you think about comedy today? Like seeing what you've seen, because it seems like when everybody gets older, like oh, it's not as good as when I was young. What What's your take on it? Well, I, I, I being here so much and seeing so many comedians, I, uh, I, 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 I get I get down on myself because I, I I never wanted to say anything with my comedy, and and not too many people do that anymore. Everyone tries to, and which is nice, but I, I used to. Oh, you say not silly. too many people. Do you try to say something? No, people try to be more. Yeah. Uh, they try to reveal more, and I mean, people always did, but I never did. And even like a tell, see, like I'm jealous of you in a lot of ways. Not your looks or your <laughs> no, but I can't do what you. I mean, I I cut myself off. I probably could. Mm -hmm. I like to think I could, but I don't think that way. And it, like it kind of bums me out a little bit because you're I, you're and it bums me out because you you're the person where we're in the green room. You're so quick. Every other line is a, is a joke. And my brain does not operate that <laughs> way. You know, my brain operates in. Oh, here's a real story. Let me find the funny in this story. And then I'll tell it to I'll, I'll tell it on stage where like a Mark Norman, a Sam Morrell, I see them as a type of comic you are, where they're funny, sometimes they get into stories, right. but it's all about the quick one-liners, like which think is that, amazing. But the, I like to think I'm revealing myself to the audience through, through that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they know, even though I'm not telling what I am, they know I'm a silly guy or whatever, but that's, that's probably a cop-out on my end. You know yeah, I mean? well, I mean, if, if I don't know, because I, I feel like everybody has their thing, but it's, it's funny that like a Mark Norman, a Sam Morrell, the but clips are, too, but theirs are a little deeper than mine. Even, but 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 they they work 
at it. And and maybe I inspired that a little bit. By, yeah. You know, it sounds stupid, but you know what I'm saying? They go, oh, this guy's what I want to do, tell stupid jokes, but make them smarter jokes. And what's interesting is with Instagram and the whole social media now, those quick jokes are working because you do a 10-second joke, people all watch it, and then they'll share it. Where, like a story, like one of my stories, you have to invest like a minute, two minutes, three minutes to get the gist of the full story. And, I, and it's more of a fear for me. Well, there's a couple things why I don't do it. Yeah. One is a fear of silence, which I hate. Which I love. And I get that a lot. Thank and you, I, I like it too when I see it. No, but I, I know what you mean. I didn't. I missed it. I know. I, I was like, I thought you'd be all over that. Come on, Mark. I'm bragging about you over here. And the other is that I don't think I'm in, I don't think I have anything interesting to say, mm. which is probably not true as well. You know what I mean? But I don't look deep enough into, into revealing that. So that kind of, it bothers me a little and sometimes. But then I always found throughout the years that the comedians that liked me were the opposite of me people like yourself mm -hmm. i mean i don't know I'm no I, I love you but on stage smart great comedians and i was like this guy's not gonna like me but they like me because in the same way that i can't do what they do they don't they can't do what i do you know or they don't oh, want, you know what i mean the only you know i haven't met my thing is i haven't met many comedians which i think is is pretty funny but but i started real i started comedy at 37. So I've been I doing finished it. at 37. <laughs> no, so I started comedy 35, maybe 35. No, I think 36, 37, something around there. So I've been doing it for like 10 years. That's great. Right. So I already was past the time. Of, what I missed was the hanging out. You know, when you're in your early 20s, all you hear is about like the the Burt's, the Joe Rogan's, the Tom Segura's, everybody that's big now hung out together and they were kind of like a crew coming up and I never had a crew. It's kind of like Joe Coy mentored me and then all of a sudden I was touring, but I never had the hang. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast well, to start that hang. But the seller really was the only, well, I guess the comedy. Comedy store is a hang. Drip too. I, you know, but it I was wasn't, a that was LA, you know, that was different. Yeah. And when it was, you know. Is the seller more about business? Like you do your set lead, do your set no, lead? No, but, but they had the comedy table. So people did start hanging mm. out and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you've heard about the table with Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill. I mean, Chris Rock, le just legends yeah. sit at that table. But when I was there, it was just, you know, me and the owner and, uh, you know, and then it just, I don't know, it was just crazy. How did it become that table? Like, I, why? I don't know, actually. Yeah. It's, you know, because they maybe they started using the same people, so they had to stay for, or they added shows. So say you're doing three shows, you're on the first and the second or the first and the third, you got nowhere to go, so you hang there. And they give you food and booze, you know. So so is there etiquette to that table? Because say- It's say, changed again. You yeah. Know? Now I think it's a, another goal of people to- Sit at the table. Sit at the table. You have to be invited to the table. I guess so. You know I mean? I When I show up there, if I show up there now, they're like, Mark's here, you know, and I can sit there because I guess of my history, but, but I But if never... it's my first time performing in New York, I probably won't get invited to the table. I don't, you, pro, you know, you probably would because you're, you know, you're, you're ingratiated now in yeah. the cellar, even though you've never been to the cellar in New York, right? Well, I, as a visitor. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't wait to perform there. Before so you did comedy or you did comedy? No, I did comedy and Liz let me in and oh. walked me. She knew who I was. So okay. she walked me through and things like that. And she was so nice, but it wait, was. Liz? Liz was nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Liz no, was I really nice Liz. and she showed me around. I haven't met Esty yet, but really? I mean, she's a landmark. Well, she obviously uh, loves you. And, yeah. And 
And who, somebody must be giving you good reviews here. I don't know. I don't know who's giving me good reviews. <laughs> so, like, what is your advice to new comics coming up? If you had I think any. I, I think I, uh, well, for me, it was having fun. I mean, the last couple of days here, I, I don't know if you know, I haven't really been having fun. And, and why not, Mark? Are you sad? No, I'm not. I don't know why. It's just. You know, in this business, you're only as good as your last set. You know what's interesting? I, I don't want to cut you off there. I used to believe that, and then I got to the point where I don't feel that pressure anymore. In your own head. I'm in saying, your own, your, yeah, in absolutely. In your own head. Yeah. Isn't it funny how you can crush all week, have one bad show, and then you go, am I still funny? Or you could crush, and there's one guy not laughing. <laughs> and then, why is this guy not laughing? Why haven't you had fun this week, though? Last couple of shows, you think? You know, probably because I felt a little... I'm doing because you're only as good as your last set. Yes, oh. and I'm doing f four sets in, a night within the show, and I've always found I I do no matter how well I do in the first ten minutes, which I I'm pretty consistent and I'm yes. doing well. I got that down, but the acts here are so good that every time I go on, they're less interested in me, no matter how much they loved me at the beginning. And so it's something I have to except as well you know what i mean and and that's why i think you see now, how do you comedians i think that's why you see comedians like i could go on and do 10 minutes in between each act if i wanted to nobody would say anything to me but i don't i don't i'm here for the show and i'll feel like once they start you know they want to see the next guy because the last guy was good i'm good they think and then the first guy's good this next guy's going to be better we don't need to hear him anymore kind of and, and i don't take it personal well, and, you, and don't, could, you don't? Or could be, well, it could just be a cop-out, too. Do you know what I mean? It could yeah. be a way for me to go, oh, I'm not going to do anything anymore anyway. You know, they, I did my job, and I'll just move it along, you know? Yeah, I, I find this place, uh, you know, I've been in Vegas for a very short while, but what I love about this club is everybody's a home run hitter. Like, you're not going to find a bad comedian and on the bill. That's and different. The different. Well, and also, you know, uh, Paul Mooney, who just died. Yes. Did you know Paul? I'd say no, I didn't okay. know. But okay, okay. I was at the, uh, the the comedy store at eleven fifteen set, and he he was going on. Or I don't know if he came in or he had a spot, but he came out. He was supposed to do ten minutes. He did an hour, an hour and a half, and but really just raw, open, honest stuff. And my act, like I said, is kind of silly. Yeah. So when I went on after him, I just died a miserable death. And I and I could have talked myself into dying because I go, this is gonna suck because he's up there talking about race and. You know, real serious stuff, and then I'm, hey, hey this is Robert De Niro. So, I was a little, you know. So, do you, do you, when you saw Paul Mooney perform, is it like jokes, 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 or is it more conscious thinking? Of and him, then, you mean? Yeah, he was just sitting on a stool, kind of talking, at talking. Time, yeah, and, yeah, that's hard and, to follow and, if you're a boom, and, boom, boom guy. And I didn't, I don't really, I wasn't that familiar with his comedy, and uh, but it was, I knew it was going to be hard to follow because it was. I mean, I, res I respected yeah. what he was doing, but I also hated him because he was doing an hour and a half before me because I was trying to leave. Why I didn't just, you leave? Why didn't you leave? Because I didn't know he could have got, I don't know why I didn't leave actually. And because he could have gotten off in a minute. I didn't know when he was getting off. I mean, I probably wanted to do a spot at the, the store, you know. It was this at the comedy store in LA? Comedy store in LA, yeah. What year was this? Do you remember how far back this was? And tell me, how, the, how was the comedy store when you were there? Was it like the comedy I, store today? Or I don't was know, it? I never, I did work there and I, uh, 
you know, I auditioned for Mitzi and I passed that day and yeah. she was, oh, you're good. And then she started using me and I, she used me in that, the big room, the main room, the main room, yeah. which I thought was, that was like one of my first couple sets there. And I was like, this is great. Oh, the main and room then is I awesome. went into another room. The OR. Like, oh, this one's not as good for OR. me. OR. Oh, here's what's interesting. The main room is great, man. Uh, the OR can be fire. That's the middle there, one. Yeah. But there's something. But it seemed like a New York club at the time. I mean, I don't, but I don't know what it is about that room because I've seen the best comics die in that room too. But the belly room where Dave Chappelle just shot his special, which is the one upstairs, think, yeah, that's, that's that club is phenomenal. I mean, it only holds like eighty people in there, and that uh, that's, that's probably where he one shot of my his favorite last special. That's where he shot his last special, and that room is so fire, man. It is if you get that room hot, it's ridiculous. Now I was at the cellar Chappelle's first night. Back, no, ever. Really? Yeah. Tell uh, me about that. He, I, the way I remember it is that he was. What at, year? What year? If you had to guess. Ninety. Okay, so this is Dave Chappelle's first time at the probably, cellar. Yes, he was probably nineteen. And was he known? Like, was there a buzz around him then? Mm, no, but yes, I guess because okay. uh, he. he I saw him that night. He was just amazing from the beginning. You know, it was just, he had it, you know, whatever it was. He was the mind, the process. Uh, a, a comedian named Rondell Sheridan, I think, saw him around the corner and came up to Esty and said, you got to see this guy. So she said, bring him by, you know. So she brought him by and I was just, you know. So somebody knew who he was a little bit, but he was, like I said, he was a kid, you know. Did you meet him that night or? Oh, sure, yeah. Oh, because you brought him up. You were the host that night. I don't. I couldn't say that I was for sure, but maybe I, I could have been. I don't remember that. And but, how I mean, was I, he? How was he when you met him? Back he, was, he was a good. You know, he was a kid. You know, he yeah. was a kid. You know, we'd uh, we hang out. You know, we, he would probably come over to my house, and uh, but there was always people over there. We'd just get high after you know after yeah. doing six or seven sets. But he was, uh, and he also lived in didn't live there. He lived in Washington, I think, at the time, and drove in like dude sets you know do you like what dave Chappelle? you said they just got it you know it has there ever been other comedians that you've seen like right off the bat and you go okay they got it um <clears throat> i mean i thought all these guys were funny louis and attell and, and brennan louis was just so out there though now i don't know if you can repeat this but tell me he, you said he would just go on stage louis, and make, not, make noises yeah louis sometimes you know when there would be you know there wouldn't be anybody in the room and he would just go into the mark it just be you'd have to go in the back just covering your ears because he was so loud you know <laughs> but he had he had he had a great mind uh, you know i uh, i once i got mad at him once because i had a old car and i was like i'm gonna get rid of the car he goes oh sell it to me and i was like really you know it still runs and i sold it to him for like 125 bucks or something and he just drove it to boston and left it there i said like, why did you leave it there i would have loaned it to you <laughs> It was a car. It was a running car. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know if you ever answered the question. Did you have any advice for newer comedians? Come, I know you said now the big thing is to tell your story, get your story out. But what do you have a piece of? But like, you're right though. The people that when you mentioned Sam Mor 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 Morrell and, and and Mark Norman, those are the guys that I that I, would have come through here that I didn't know that I remember and go, oh, these guys are funny. Yeah, you know, in my way. I mean, they have a great. I wish I could put more effort into my act and, and, and write like that. You know? Well, I've never met, like, I meet a lot of people. I, I meet a lot of people, comedians as well, but you're quick, man. Like, like when you're in your space, 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm, I, and people make jokes about it, but I'm probably funnier in there than on stage. No, you are, 100%. 100%. I said you, sh you should do all your sets from the but, green room. <laughs> and, and also, like, when I had a lot of trouble, when I have to do, like, an hour or 40, 50 minutes, which I haven't done in years, I would have to stretch, you know, so I would stretch at the beginning by doing crowd, crowd work. work. And then I would, ah, I'd be killing it. And then I would start my act and I'm like, oh, <laughs> we don't don't like what's this. going on? Yeah, this guy's not funny anymore. What's, what's the, so what's the key to your crowd work? Because everybody has different philosophies on crowd work. Do you just go for it or? I mean, I actually probably just asked, uh, you know, now in the context of this room and I'm the MC and I come out and, I, and, and people are from so many different areas of the country or the world that I find I just say, well, where are you from? And and what do you do? And hopefully that springs boards into something. Yeah. And and I one of the, the things that I used to advise comedians, which I probably don't do as much anymore, is you should though. First, you got so much knowledge. No, no, I'm man. saying is the when you come out, if you say a joke that they know, the audience knows that you just made up, they'll you're free to do whatever because you've already proved you're funny. If they know, like something fell right before you were going, oh, you know, put that in or whatever you would say. Yeah. They go, oh, this guy's going to be funny because yeah. he, can, he can deal with it. You know? When you first, I didn't know you really as a comedian. Oh, when, yeah, our when first, you first time. Here, and this and is I, my first time being first introduced. Time, and and Mike, Michael's standing waiting to get pulled up, and I'm doing a joke, and it probably didn't go that No, good. it went horribly it went horribly, wrong. horribly, the joke. And Michael said, oh, thanks for you know, wrecking them or something before you bring, I don't know. Thanks for, thanks for killing the, killing the room or something. killing the room for me. And it was a joke, obviously. Yeah. I mean, but it was based in truth, but I said to myself, this guy's not gonna, this guy's gonna be funny. He's being funny off stage, you know? And we went back and forth, which was fun. Cause we went back and forth a couple of times and then you brought me up and it was like an amazing moment. I love when people get comedians, get mad at other comedians. First of all, like if I'll say this guy sucks, you know, when I introduce him, and they get mad at me. I was like, well, well you're going to be on stage for 10 minutes. Why don't you just say that I suck? Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. I don't understand. You're a comedian. You're making a, it's a joke. I know? do want to work out something with you because a lot of times I close the shows here. I would love to have you come out with a guitar. I don't sing that well, but we need to figure out something to end the show, like a song well, yeah. or something. They, they, I used to use the guitar and I just I got stolen and I just didn't like lugging it I'll around. buy you a guitar. <laughs> I no, I, I want to, I want to, we need to figure out something to close the shows. Cause I, yeah. I loved when uh, Jeffrey Ross came by. And you were just on the piano, and it totally changed the vibe of the whole room. And it's more yeah, of yeah. a, it, it, it got out of a comedy show, and it was more of, oh, this is a, an, an experience that I'm not going to get well, anywhere else, which is awesome. What helped, what helped me cement my history in the cellar was uh, the comedian Rick Crome, uh, who was the piano player at the cellar at the time. And he'd go, you want me to stay up with you? And so he would stay up on stage with me, you know, he'd be behind the piano, but I would do my act and, and, but he would knew my act so well, he'd go, Hey, and he would lead me into my jokes. Cause I have no memory. I wouldn't remember. Yeah. And then we would make up songs and stuff. So the audience kind of, you know, I don't think the other comedians liked it that much because they'd have, Oh, to, you would crush and we would crush and it would be singing and sweating and dancing and, you know, uh, well, I would love to create that moment with you here, man, because I, this room at times, well, not at times. I mean, this room always has the potential cause it's so small and compact that, I mean, because I, I, I really learned a lot that night when Jeffrey Ross was here. Just that adding, because well, think to of me, Zach Galifianakis to me, or something yeah, for that matter. Because to me, you can do your set and crush. That's great.
But, and people will leave the comedy show going, oh, they were great. Like, I hear people leaving all the time go, that was an amazing show. But when they left that night, just because you were on the piano, like, if he would have just told his jokes, it was a comedy show. Right. But when you bring, a, like, it, it just creates a great atmosphere, man. And I would love to create that before people leave. Well, I don't know if you remember that night, too, there was a fight in the audience. Remember right as I was bringing Yes. There was, like, almost a fist fight broke it was out. A, it, it literally right here front of the oh, stage. Oh, yeah, you actually were talking. I'm you the one that stopped stage, right? Yeah, I, I'm the one that stopped the fight, and, yeah. Uh, so it, it helped, to, you know. Yeah, and he kept, Jeff, to his credit, came up with it. He came up and said something like, oh, I'm glad I brought my bulletproof vest or something. Yeah, to the and comedy it, Whatever show, the yeah. joke was, and the audience, again, it was the same kind of thing. Not that they didn't know he was funny to begin with, but they go, oh, that guy just made that joke up. Yeah. And, and he said it to us, and we're all in this together, you know? Well, well, I know, like, we have to open up the, the cellar tonight, so uh, we're going to wrap this up, but you're going to be on all the time. Uh, I do want to get uh, more. It was very serious today. Oh, no, it's always, no, no. You know what I like is that, um, like, one of my, the person I look up to is Joe Rogan, because I love how comedians can be on a show and they laugh a little here and there. But I oh, love, like, I love to get, I, I'm using this podcast to get educated in comedy, you know, because I kind of fell into it and it worked out great for me. Yeah. But I want to learn history of comedy. I want to learn, like, you know, the stories I hear off stage are great, and I just want to inform other people that are checking, you know, listening to this podcast for the first time. This is what you're going you're gonna to get. You're going to get funny moments, but you're going to get a lot of history and comedy. And Joe, uh, Joe was a guy that was around, too, but he was more of a road. Like, I yeah. was a club comic in the city, and he was a road comic. Out of Boston. He, out of from Boston, too? Yeah, I'm from Rogan. Massachusetts, too. Yeah, he so he went to. I think he actually uh, taught like some Taekwondo type of class at UMass, or at, he uh, he went to UMass for a year. He, did you ever go to the Just for Laughs festival yet? You know what's interesting is I got caught in a situation, and let me tell you my struggle with comedy is I never get invited to festivals. Because I'm already known, right, even but I'm not in, known as a comedian. Right, right, you're not a new face, but you're a new face. So, yeah, so it, it's that weird thing. And since I didn't come up with a lot of comedians, I'm kind of not in the community, but I... Oh, that's interesting. So it, it's kind of, I don't know, it's disheartening at times because I'm not a part of the community at times, but, but I you, perform at all the you clubs. You keep yourself out of that a little bit. I do. You know? I do because I go home to my family. And also you don't want to... If you said to me backstage, you don't want to cop. You don't like watching other comedians because you don't want to. I never want to get a concept. Well, that's all I want to do. <laughs> Steal jokes. Steal jokes. <laughs> but no. at the same time, I, I think you're missing out a little bit. And I understand. But you could go back 40 years with something that you couldn't possibly steal, but you could pick up something. You know well, what I mean? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I get what you're saying. But uh, as and far I also as understand what you're saying too. but like i have a family so i want to get home right uh but you know the the hanging out is for your 20s you know what i mean yeah i don't hang out I don't now hang out. now it's kind of like i see when rogan's out with secure like all these big time people stop by because that's his crew and they all right. came i don't have that you know and it, that's kind of like oh that's a bummer i wish i would have started comedy earlier but then my mind wasn't i, I probably would have been shit you know what I mean? I had nothing to talk about back then. I never, I never knew I wanted to do stand up till I was like thirty five. Who? Why did you start doing it? I was on Chelsea lately. Oh, okay. As a correspondent. As a correspondent, I, think I did warm up for that show. It would be hilarious if I was the warm up right? guy when you were there, and you just don't remember. And rest, rest in peace. But Brody was there oh, too okay. was when I when I knew Brody. Uh, but 
I was on that show, so everywhere I flew to interview celebrities, people would go, hey, where are you performing? Because they just thought I was a comedian. And then I was like, oh, you know, my Asian side kicked in. I was like, oh, opportunity. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity and actually try to do stand-up. And the first time I went up, it was magic. Orlando Leba taped me. Oh, okay. My oh, first so you time. have it? Uh, he has it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So and uh, I did 15 minutes my first set. And wow. I called my mom That's when a I, long time, actually. I got off stage, called my mom and said, this is what I was born to do. And I love it, man. And I love it. And I love the growth I'm having at this club. Because well, yeah, doing it every night is nice for you, obviously. Here, and, you know? and I don't care about crushing every time. Like, sometimes well, I want to. you're not. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. You are. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> well, no, you're but, a very consistent act. Okay, yeah, you know? but I love sometimes when the, when the audience is more mellow, just hanging back on the wall yeah. and just. Well, I even sometimes I comment to you. Yeah, you do. I say, oh, your energy was, you know, you, you match. And I, I, it, that's a tough thing to do, to match their energy. Because I'm, I'm energetic and. Even when I try to lower my energy, I'm still well, energetic, well, and I go, oh, geez, I have too much energy for you. I'll comment well, on it. Well, I know if I'm not going to get the rolling thunder laughs, like when it's a hot crowd, I still get the same laughs, but it's at the me more mellow level but where they're at. You always have to do what you do, though, yeah. even if it's a lower yeah, energy. Absolutely. I see people just all of a sudden change because of oh, the small no. crowd. I'm like, no, no you know. No, if there's one person, I'm going to give him a show. Dennis Blair, God bless him. And he comes out, there's four people here. He just comes out screaming. Yeah. The guitar, you know, ah, but, you know it's, it's hilarious to me. Oh, I got to get Dennis Blair on. He's open yeah, up for he's everybody. Got some, he remembers his stories, too. Cause, yeah. <laughs> but I, just for laughs, I, oh, I yeah, you were talking about Joe. Uh, it's a quick story, but Joe Rogan's manager at the time was a, uh, a national wrestling, you know, he was in the, re uh, you know, high school wrestling you know, he was yeah. well-known. And I had wrestled, too, and we were talking. And it was, oh, so we wrestled at midnight at the Just for Laughs, and Joe Rogan was in his corner as his corner Wait, man. you wrestled Joe Rogan? I wrestled his manager, oh, his Jeff <laughs> Sussman. And Rick Dukeman, who had passed away since then, was, in my, was my coach. But I just remember it was And who won? Who won? I would imagine he did. I don't remember. But at the same time, he was way a lot less How do you not remember nothing, I, Because Mark. it was for fun. It was, you know. It was, oh, we I would have still remember who won. And, uh, you know, it was three in the morning. And I remember doing it. Okay. You know, maybe nobody won. Okay. You know, it wasn't a legit thing. It wasn't. Anything. It was a Mayweather and Logan fight. No, just no yes, winner. It was an exhibition. It. All right. I loved Joe. Joe was such. I mean, I haven't seen him. He's years, a sweetheart, but man. But he was. Yeah. The, the MMA stuff is him kind of, you know, <sighs> based and. You know, an and, honest, decent. Guy. And you know, and you know what? I know we keep going on. We got to finish this podcast. But Sorry. one thing I'm upset with myself on is when I listen to Rogan. Like I have nothing that I, you know, he's in the MMA. I'm trying to find this thing I'm super interested in. But comedy, all that, it, that's what I'm interested in. You know, like he has, he has the MMA. He knows about cars. Right. He knows about like I really have nothing outside of comedy that I love beside my family. You know, he if you would. If you had said 20, 30 years ago that Joe Rogan would be doing his podcast and people would be looking up to him yeah. for knowledge and yeah. advice, I would have said that's not going to happen. Mark Maron, on the other hand, was always that kind of Intellect, intellectual. Yeah. You know, he was another guy that was around that had had great material and yeah, you know, everyone was really good back then. You know. All right. Well, we got a show in like an hour, so we got to wrap go. this up. But you'll 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 come back, right, Mark? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is the test show that nobody will see, right? Uh, no, they'll see it. <laughs> it'll just be all blurry, and the camera will be all <laughs> fucked up. But it'll be good. Brian, what, what's up, Brian? Yeah, oh. I think there's actually something you haven't talked about. I think you should. Uh, you had a great 
stand-up career, but you also were on TV a lot. Yes. Make me laugh. Friends. That's let's talk right. Okay, let's talk about Friends. Tell me, you were the Mattress King in Friends? I was the Mattress King in Friends, which is amazing. It was one episode, but it's really what people kind of remember or What's recognize me from. Uh, Brian, funny. he's the sound guy here as well at the cellar, and he'll mention... He never did until recently. Because Friends is back, you know, they had that reunion. And but he'll mention it, and people will scream people, for that. Yeah. They still remember I, I told, I told, I'll, I'll, we'll do it quickly, but I told you a story. Nobody, I mean, people recognize you, and you're on TV a lot, and people come up to you. Somebody after the show came up to me, a, a woman, and she was... She was shaking. She goes, you're, you're the mattress king. And like, you're the mattress king on Friends. And she was so nervous. And I said, you're messing with me. That's mean, you know. She's like, no, no. I'm, I'm, you're, you're the and she, had, she showed me. She pulled up her thing. And she had Friends tattoos all over the place. Really? And so was, she was real. And I was like, oh, man, that's kind of sweet. But it was kind of. Did you, did, what season were you in? What season and episode? I know you got I don't it. know. Episode, uh, season three, episode seven. No, something. It was like season three, episode uh, seven or eight. Hold on, what are we going to play? Is that, is oh, there's the back of my head right there. Where is it? Uh, second row down. That's me. Oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, is that oh, you yeah, as me. the Mattress King? That's me as the Mattress King. Wow. Hello, it's the Mattress King. Despair fills the Mattress showroom. My kingdom is suddenly without a queen. I'm so depressed. I'm going to slash my prices. Check it out. <laughs> $4.99 for a pillow top going medieval. I'm you know. And I, this, I'm proud of this job because I got this audition. As you know, you get auditions a lot. Yeah. I got this audition without knowing anybody. Nobody on the show knew me. The casting director knew me. How'd so you I get went, it there? I, went, I mean, I had an agent that sent me in, but I didn't. You know, a lot of times in show business, it's who you know. And I got the job. I remember it was down to me and another guy. We're in the room. We're reading each other. And, and I ended up getting the job. And the whole week, I only had three lines. And then two minutes before I'm about to shoot, they go, oh, here's your new lines. I'm like, new lines? I'd been memorizing these three lines. And they gave me three pages of dialogue. And then we're, sh we're shooting in 20 minutes. Literally three pages of dialogue. Because I I'm on a commercial. Yeah. And I, I, so I leaned back. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm trying to read it. And I couldn't learn it. I went up to the producer and I said, listen, this is a commercial. Can we put my lines on a cue card? Because that's what this guy would be doing anyway. And they go, oh, that's a great idea. So you can, I'm kind of reading it here. You can tell. Ah, okay. It's kind of funny, but uh, so Dude, you must out. have been so freaked out I when they handed you. I was freaked out because I I memorized the three or four lines I had, and then <laughs> do you moved. remember the lines, the three or four lines that uh, were you originally had? It was probably the same thing, but then okay, they had realized I was going to be in the background, so I had to be saying something. Ah, so they they added kept on adding it, you know. That's uh, now when you were on set, was everybody nice? What was the atmosphere? Yeah, they. I, uh, do you want me to tell you more stories? No, uh, <laughs> I feel do, bad. Do, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only Ray Romano, his show had been on like a week or two, so nobody really knew who he was as far as I knew was uh, knew. And he said, "Can I come to the taping?" And I or can I come to rehearsal? He was on the lot. Probably. But Friends was like huge at that Friends time. Friends was just getting huge. It was okay. the third season, but it was obviously oh, it was you could tell yeah. they were new. It was coming. You yeah, know? they were very nice to me, by the way, all of them. Uh, and he said, "Can I come?" And I was like, "Sure." And I did my rehearsal, and he came, and we're walking back to my dressing room, and David Schwimmer is walking towards us in this little hallway, and he walks by us, and we, you know, nod to him, and then he stops, and he goes, Ray Romano, and he just freaked out. He goes, Oh my God, I love your show, and I, I'm, when he left, David Schwimmer left, and I said to Ray, Go, this is the weirdest thing. I mean, you're Ray Romano, you're my friend, and David Schwimmer just stopped you and freaked out. I said, Don't you think it should have been the other way around? You know, is isn't it isn't it kind of surreal too? Because we both have 
lot of friends that's very successful and people know. It's kind of surreal knowing that you know these people, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well, by the way, by the, by the way, Mark has his dog here. Hi, Millie. Millie's here. Come here, don't do that. Come here. Come on. There, yeah, I mean, and I play poker with Whoa. all these people that are incredibly much more successful than me and have millions of dollars. So Do they still take your money, though? Well, we only play for like 60 bucks, but I take their money because they don't care about the money. Yeah, right. You know, they're just telling stories, and I'm like, oh, queen, he's got a queen, he's got an ace. And a... All right, well, now we got to go. Wait, I got another, oh. Uh, but, 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 but. I'm one of the comedians that I won't mention. I won't get those. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that could be applied to a lot of uh, We don't have time. Next time you're on, we got to talk about your craziest story in Vegas. We'll talk yeah. about that.